single source of truth. It's, I believe it's got a lot of a lot of great things in it. I think it's got a lot of uh, great uh, revelation and prophecy, things to come. Uh, I think it's got a lot of great history, things that we can know about what has happened. But I also think it's got a lot of instruction in how to live day to day. Um, and I think there's some applicable things um, that, that we can take from the scriptures to learn about our daily living. And Proverbs is full of that. Um, when, you, when you get into the book of Proverbs, you'll find out that um, it's kind of it, it's wisdom for living day in and day out in a godly manner. Uh, he, he breaks it up into sections and talks about different things. Um, who, who wrote the book of Proverbs? Who knows? Solomon. Solomon. Yeah, he wrote, he wrote all but two of the chapters in Proverbs, and really all but one, we think. Um, if you look um, it, it, in, the, in the first Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 1, it says this is the Proverbs of Solomon, right? Um, and and, and it, it says it again in chapter 10 and chapter 25, I believe, um, is the other two chapters. But if you look at chapter 29, you'll see that it says... Um, uh, sometimes something different in the front of your Bible will talk about uh, a different king who wrote that uh, proverb and then the same in, I'm sorry, it's not 29, 30, the wisdom of Agur. That's the only thing we know. We never mentioned again anywhere in the scriptures um, that says the words of Agur, the son of Jacob. These are his utterances. Now, supposedly what they believe, um, uh, you know, I guess it's conjecture to, to kind of say, but what they believe is that he was a friend of Solomon's, another king, um, and that they would they would discuss things together, and so uh, that wisdom uh, that they shared with each other. And then Proverbs thirty one, it says the words of King Lemuel, the utterance which his mother taught him, which his mother taught. Now there is no mention of a King Lemuel anywhere else in the scriptures, and most of the historians lead on trying to bore you with too much history about the book, but. Most of the stories believe King Lemuel is, it was Solomon, uh, and that's what his mother called him, that that's what his mother named him. And so these are the things his mother taught him. Now, who was Solomon's mother? Who knows that? You'll know it when I say it. Bathsheba. Bathsheba. So David, the, the, the woman David committed adultery with, Bathsheba was Solomon's mother. Um, and so... Um, Jesse, you can go back there so, so this this proverb in particular, uh, thirty one. Now, Proverbs thirty one is one we know a lot because what's it talk about? A virtuous woman, right? Who can find a virtuous woman? So, supposedly, uh, what they believe is that Bathsheba taught this to Solomon. Now, all the proverbs um, were taught to Jewish children. All uh, that's that's what they were written down for. That's what they were scribed down for. Is that these were things that Jewish children were expected and instructed to learn, right? Because this was supposed to teach them how to live life, <coughs> things to avoid, things not to avoid, right? Things that they should do and things that they shouldn't do. And so these were taught to children at a young age in the Jewish culture. And so, um, you know, as you read about those things, you know, that's what they used to teach their children from the beginning. So in our format of a Sunday school, right, that's, that's the way they would teach their children these Proverbs. And so all, all of these were written by Solomon with the exception of 30, and they think 31 was as well. They're not 100% sure, but they think that. Um, and what else did Solomon write? How many books did Solomon write in the Bible? 
Ecclesiastes was one. Proverbs was one, and there's one more. Song of Solomon. Um, probably one of the most uh, forgotten about books in the whole Bible. Um, Song of Solomon is one that you almost, I would say, I, I, I would be shocked if you told me you heard two sermons preached at a Song of Solomon. Um, as a matter of fact, I can remember we were at a, um, a different church one time, and the way they did their Bible study was they just went, you, you know, line by line, right, and went through the scriptures. They didn't have topical studies, which is perfectly okay, right? But I can remember when they finished up with one book and it came time to go into the Song of Solomon, they said, we're going to skip this book and go on. Uh, that was their words, right? Now, they didn't mean anything bad, but, but the issue is with the Song of Solomon is it's, it's graphic in nature. It's very, it talks a lot about a husband and wife and intimacy between a husband and wife. And, and he's graphic in his description of the intimacy between him and his wife, right? And so a lot of churches avoid it because it, you know, uh, maybe somebody's embarrassed a teacher. They're afraid they'll embarrass somebody that's listening, right? Um, so I don't think it's intentionally avoided, but it's really a foreshadowing or a type of, of relationship between Christ and the church, right? Um, but it's also about a husband and a wife and the way they should love each other and, and those things. So it shouldn't be avoided, but it just goes to show you that we're, we're sometimes too careful about worrying about what we teach, right? If it's in the Bible, it's good for teaching. Right? If it's in the Bible, it's good to be taught. It needs to be taught, and, that, and we need to understand it. Our kids need to understand it, so forth and so on. So Proverbs is all about um, about these these different... How do, I, how do I describe them to you? Just, just bits of wisdom and instruction. How would you even define a proverb? What is, what is a proverb? I mean, Solomon's not the only one who wrote proverbs, right? You can go to the, you can go to the Chinese restaurant and get one out of Portuguese. <laughs> right? It's just not a biblical proverb, right? It's just, not a, it's just not an absolute truth. It's just something that Confucius thought he knew, right? A wisdom from him. So how would you define a proverb? It's kind, of, it's kind of a tough question. It's yeah, it's you know what it really, I, I, I think probably the best way to define it is it's when somebody shares wisdom they've learned with you, right? And they, they, they shorten it down to just a little expression, right? Um, uh, a, a funny proverb everybody always laughs, you know, that kind of laughs about the song I put in here was, you know, how it's better to, to dwell at the corner of a house top than in a house with an angry woman, Right? <laughs> So, uh, uh, wow. see, so yeah, we got him right there. Yeah. <laughs> he bought him right away. Okay. Well, I was just thinking that uh, his consensus is a book of wise sayings. That's it. You know, that's it. Good advice, wisdom. Yeah. Right? That's really all it is. It's just a book of, of wise things that, when you apply them to your life, will help you. Right? So, you're basically, you've got two choices in life. You can learn from your own experiences. Right, or you can learn from the experience. I mean, the experience that somebody else is teaching you. How, how many of you, as parents, tried to tell your children what the mistakes you made so they would avoid them? Right, they didn't um, listen. and they don't listen. <laughs> right, and they didn't listen. Right, uh, just like you didn't listen. Right, but then, in a sense, you were sharing a proverb with them. Right, you were saying, you know, you were saying, hey, don't go out, don't go out, and and go into debt. Well, that would be a proverb, right? Uh, that, you know, you're, you're, you're sharing a bit of wisdom or information with them about 
what would make their life better or potentially what would make it worse or whatever the case may be. So uh, think of a proverb in that way, right? Now, when you think of the biblical proverb, what you think of is that these proverbs were inspired by the Holy Spirit through what the Bible says is one of the wisest men that ever lived. The wisdom of Solomon surpassed the wisdom of anybody else. Why? God gave God gave him wisdom. So when Solomon was a young man, and you, you probably, I'm sure you know this already, but just in case, when Solomon was a young man, God, and he was going to be, become king, God said to him, ask anything you want, and I'll give it to you. Now, now, if God said that to you today, what would you ask for? <laughs> think about that for just a minute. Really stop and think. If God himself spoke to you and said, brother or sister so-and-so, which he wouldn't say that, but if he did, if he said your name and he said, ask me anything and I'll give it to you, what would you ask for? That might reveal something about your heart today, whatever that thing might be, right? It might reveal what your desire is, right? I mean, maybe instantly you think, well, I, I, I want to be in better health. Or you think, I want to be, I, you know, I, I'd like to have money so I can do good works, right? Or I'd like to, maybe you would say wisdom because it worked for Solomon, right? But, but Solomon, out of the pure heart, said, I'm going to be the king of your people. And they're more, if you go back and read it, he says, they're more than the dust of the earth. In other words, there were so many people that he was going to be king over. And he said, I need wisdom and knowledge to know how to guide, to know how to lead your people, to do this, to do this well. And God was impressed with that. Um, there's no other way to say it. So when God, God said to him, he said, because you've asked for this, and you didn't ask for riches, and you didn't ask for a long life. And you didn't ask for health. And you didn't ask, I think in another, he also said he included one thing. He, you didn't ask um, for the death of your enemies. So that tells you what most kings ask for, right? Most kings ask for riches and wealth and, and, and health and the death of their enemies, right? Yeah. And a long life. But Solomon was different. Go ahead. You reckon he had that dirty thing in the town meeting or something like that Jeff the theme of clock? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, have you, ever th have you ever thought of it? I mean, really, that, when I thought about that this evening, I thought, what would, if God said that to me, would I have answered with that kind of heart? Right? I mean, what I've answered and said, God, yeah, I know exactly what I, I need wisdom and guidance to lead your people. Right? But man, that's what hit his mind and that's what he asked for. And God said, because you asked for that, I'll give you all these other things. Now, he said, I'll give you riches and wealth. Right? And we know that Solomon did a lot of good with those things. Solomon built, we, he built a lot of different things. In the, he was a builder. The other thing he gave him was peace. He did, yeah. Solomon's name means peace. Um, so when you look up the name Solomon, that's what it means, peace. Solomon was one of the only kings, there was three kings that ruled in a 40-year span, I mean, that ruled at 40 years each. <clears throat> you had Saul was king for 40 years, and David was king for 40 years, and then Solomon was king for 40 years. 
So when you when you look at those three things, now during Saul's reign, war all the time. David, war. Solomon, not one war during his reign. Solomon's name means peace, and God gave him some peace, right? God brought peace. Now, after Solomon, the kingdom was divided into the north and south. And if you went back and read the scriptures, you'd find out that there was ten kingdoms, I think, in the north and two in the south. The ten kingdoms in the north was Israel, and the two in the south was Judah, right? So that's what that's how they divided that. I'm getting way too far in the weeds, I know, but but there are interesting things when you go back and read that, right? And that's why when you can get over in, in Kings and Chronicles and you can read all about that timeline and how those kingdoms were divided, right? But during Solomon's time, it was a time of peace um, and, 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 and it was a big deal, right? Because that was a time when that's all they knew was war, right? That's what they were conditioned to do, um, was to fight. And so these little sayings and these little bits of wisdom come from what God, from a man that God personally gave wisdom and knowledge to. So when we read these, we can understand that these come from a good source. Right? These come from a source of uh, uh, somebody who had wisdom and knowledge. Now, Solomon had wisdom, but he wasn't necessarily always smart. He had a lot of knowledge, but he made mistakes. Later on in life, he made some big mistakes. Right? But he had good wisdom, right? Uh, and, 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 and I think you'll see here that how this wisdom plays out in different things. But a proverb is just a short saying that expresses a, a truth that somebody's learned, right? And, and when they, when, in the biblical sense, it expresses a truth on how to live and please God, right? So, um, and, and the purpose of the book of Proverbs is stated very clearly in the, in the first chapter, right? We could go, it, it's really in the, in the first six verses, you can see it. Let's look at those together. Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. Here's the purpose. To know wisdom and instruction. To perceive the words of understanding. To receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity. To give prudence to the simple. This is the purpose of this book. He's telling it to you. These Proverbs, here's the purpose. So he, he said, the first purpose here is to give prudence to the simple, or to give some prudence. What, what's a, what's, how, how would we say that word today? Common sense. Right? So he say, he's basically saying to the person who doesn't have common sense, this gives them some common sense. Right? Com and, and, and there are people that don't have any common sense. Amen? I mean, there are, right? Sometimes in certain things, I don't have any, right? In certain aspects of life. Sometimes in certain things, you probably don't have any, right? So we lack sometimes in that area, right? So he says it's to give uh, prudence or common sense to the simple, to the young man to give him knowledge and discretion, and, and to the wise man an increase in learning. See that? So, so those are the those are the right there for. And he said, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. To understand a proverb and an enigma, the words of the wise and their riddles. So that's the purpose of this book. Is to give wisdom and understanding and knowledge to help the people who maybe don't have a lot of common sense to get it. To help the people that that, that are young to grow in the to not have to make the same mistakes that somebody else made over and over. And then to help those who already have a lot of sense to get more of it, right? To grow and understand. So there's something in here for every category. 
right? No matter how you feel, there's something in here for all people to understand and to see. So um, it's really a good book for that. Now, it's going to teach you some things, right, about how to act wisely and how to treat others and and, and, and how to do some of those things. And and, and so you got we've got to understand, right, a little bit about, because the whole purpose is to give wisdom. What is wisdom? How would you how would you describe wisdom? Yeah, right. I mean, wisdom really is just um, somebody somebody defined it like this. I thought it was a good definition: a realistic approach to the problems of life. Right when you when you face a problem and you and you take a realistic approach and you hit it. Another person defined it and said. Wisdom is insight into underlying causes or consequences of things, and that insight enables someone to apply the best end to the situation, right? So it gives you the best, wisdom gives you the, 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 the best path to take to get the end result that you want, right? Um, so that's another way that you could... Um, um, Define it, and maybe maybe if you to, if you put it in an illustration, right? Um, wisdom is 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 how you you know. There's different ways you react to situations. So, so say let's say you get up one morning, and your spouse, your husband, or your wife, for no reason, um, comes in and and takes their shoe off and smacks you in the face with it, right? For no reason at all. Now, wisdom is it, 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 there's there's a few things that's going to happen here. You're going to have a choice in how you react, right? You 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 perhaps could take the shoe and smack them back, right? Uh, mm-hmm. You 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 could you could in theory roll over and go back to sleep and say, well, I guess they're upset about something, right? No, Chris said no. That's not it, right? You, 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 there's lots of there's lots of ways to react, right? You, the, the point of that is to help you see that wisdom is going to help you to define what's the best way to react, right? Because you have all these choices, and if you use a little wisdom, you might learn the best way to react, right? Now, I'm not going to tell you what way that is. Yeah. <laughs> What'd you say? You don't have a lot of reason. Well, if I get hit with shoe, I lose mine. They knock the wisdom out of you. Uh, but uh, but in all in all in all shit, I mean, you, you take it to a different, you know, just as it, and I said that just to make it light. But take it to a, you go. To, here's a realistic one that could happen to anybody any time. You go to work and your boss yells at you. And that's your boss. He determines whether or not you get paid. He determines whether or not you get to keep your job. Right, and he's—you caught him on a bad day, and he bites your head off, and and screams at you, and slams the door in your face, and you've got some choices to make. How do you react to that? Right? Do you fling the door back open and get in a fist fight, or do you do you say, "But I don't want talk to me that way," or do you go back to your office and sit down and say, "I'm gonna let him cool off," and then I'm gonna go try to figure out what's really going on, right? And wisdom, you know, you're gonna determine that choice, and there's some, there are some things that there are some advice that people could give you that. That maybe has done all, all those three things that might tell you which way into the best, right? Um, so that's the kind of things that Proverbs is doing. It's, it's basically saying when these situations come in life, 
or in these kinds of relationships in life, or whatever the case may be, here's the ways you should react. Here's the things you should do that will make you have wise, make you have a better outcome. Right? So that's the point of, of, of the proverb, is to help you kind of to show, right? Um, Proverbs is going to show you things like, um, it's going to talk about a lot of the dangers that are out there. Solomon warns um, uh, uh, people about the danger. He, he talks about the danger of evil companionship. Right? He talks about the danger of having wicked friends. Right? People that don't that, that, that don't love God and don't fear God. He talks about the danger of an immoral woman. He talks a lot about that. He talks, he cautions it, you know, he says, My son, you've got to stay away from her. She's dangerous. Right? She's a dangerous. He talks about later on laziness, the curse of laziness, right? And the damage it does to a person. So there's all kinds of these tidbits of wisdom that we gain all throughout the book of Proverbs and and, and the way that he that he that he kind of sources them through. And you can talk about, I mean, Solomon learned these things from God and from experience in life. Remember. If you went over to Ecclesiastes, the other book Solomon wrote, Solomon had a lot of experience. Solomon said, as a matter of fact, he tried everything under the sun. Right? He's tried. He's tried. He he had riches untold, and he he, he tried to have all the best life he could have. He, he 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 tried all these other things over here that you could try to imagine, you know. And he, he had the best of everything the world could offer, and he sometimes he was miserable, and sometimes he was on top of the world. And he came to the conclusion of one thing. Let me say it in two ways. Same conclusion, two ways. The first conclusion is that life is meaningless without God. See, that's the whole matter. That's why at the end he said, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. That's the only thing that brings a purpose to life. Is, is, is knowing that there's God. Life without God is completely meaningless. Right? Uh, um, and, and, he, and, and the reason he says, he says it's like putting, um, I cannot remember the phrase right now to save, to save me, but something along the lines of putting money in the bags with holes in it. Right? That's the way he describes life because he talks about how the meaningless of it. In other words, you acquire and you get and you get and you get and none of it means anything. Right? It all ends up being nothing. Not pointless. At the end of the day, he calls it vanity, right? Or 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 worthlessness or meaninglessness, right? Because at the end of the day, when you when you're dying, and we all will, Amen. When you're dying, all it, does, it will not you you. I almost guarantee you that when you're dying, you won't you won't say, "Man, if I I." I only wish I would have had a nicer car to drive. It won't even be a thought. Right? Because that really, when you when you put that into a perspective, it's meaningless. Your car is meaningless. Right? When you won't say, I I I would have been so much more fulfilled with a two-story house. It, that'll be meaningless. Right? All oh, that's me. If I would have just worked more and made more money, then oh. then, then things would have been. What do you say? All those things are different. Hey, yeah. They're yours now, but when you die, there'll be somebody else. Yeah. And Solomon, Solomon's the one that taught us that. Right? Solomon's the one who said, he said, you have all these things, 
And he said, what is, what, what's the point of them all? He said, you know what I see when I look at men? He said, I see they work hard to have all these things. And he said, and then they leave them to somebody who doesn't even care about them. They don't even care. Right? So you did all that for nothing. How many times have you seen that? Go to an auction where the parents have died and the kids are auctioning off that stuff. They don't want it. That their parents thought the world of. You know? yeah, they don't want it. Just throw that stuff away. I don't want that stuff. Yeah. You know? Because to them, it's meaningless. It means nothing. And in the grand scheme of things, here's the thing that, that's, that would really change everything about our Christianity if we truly could hold on to it and, and we're inundated with the opposite all the time. And so it's hard for us to continually hang on to it and remember it. But here's the thing. No matter what you look at in the world, it's meaningless. It's totally unimportant. Right? I mean, no matter how you look at it, it means nothing. Right? Your car, your house, your job, your bank account, all that means nothing. At that time. It feels like it means everything. It, 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 it feels like it. But when you're on your way when out, it feels different. When you're, when you're on your deathbed, it feels that. totally different. Yeah. <coughs> I mean, if we could just have... That's why... David cried out in the Psalms. He said, teach me to number my days. In other words, teach me to remember that this is all going away. Right? That all this will be nothing. All this will mean absolutely... Now, does that mean that we, um, that we shouldn't work? No. God said we had to work. Right? Does it mean that we shouldn't have a house to live in? Well, not necessarily. No, there, there's nothing wrong if you don't have a house, and there's nothing wrong if you do. Right? But... It's what you make out of those things and it's the emphasis you put on those things that make them so corrupt at times, right? They become, how am I saying them? They become like time eaters and they become idols, right? Where all you do is you just, you figure out how to get more, have more, get better, have better, do better, and it's just all the time, more, better, more, better, whatever. Talking about Solomon, he, he's the one that had all the wives and the at the end of his life, he said he had. Uh, uh, it was part of his why, downfall. Why did? I mean, I, I just. I, I told you his wife, not always smart. He had a weakness. His weakness was women. Yeah. Um, and as much as he tried to warn people about it, he couldn't, he couldn't hold back himself. Um, See, that's the thing about wisdom. Wisdom is such a, a, a tricky thing. That's why I think when you go into the New Testament, you see the emphasis put in a different way on wisdom. So Solomon talked about wisdom, and he had the right ideas. And he had the right wisdom. He had the right knowledge. But when you get into the New Testament, you find a teaching that says, it's not the one who hears that, that, that's justified, but the one that does. Right? Uh, obedience to what you know is the key to, to having the blessings that come from what you're supposed to do, right? So when he talks about these things in here that we look at in a minute, we talk about, you know, for instance, the fear of God. It's one thing to know that we need to fear God. It's another thing to walk in the fear of the Lord, right? And Solomon had a lot of wisdom, but he wasn't always smart because he didn't always do the things he knew that he ought to do. He um, says, Get understanding. That's right. And understanding would be some, sometimes some application, right? To gain an, an application, to gain the ability to apply that to our life. What good is it if we? Um, I, 
there, there's a um, there's people that I know that they've spent their whole life. I mean, in in in, in college, they have a ton of information. Right? Not one bit of it's ever been applied. Because all they do is stay there and learn more. That's all they do is they keep learning. Right? The Bible in the New Testament, he said, remember when he talks about some creeping in unaware? And he, he talks about ever learning, but never able to come to the knowledge. Right? They're always learning. Never able to get to the knowledge of it, though. Right? And, and there's so many times that we get like that. We learn. We, we can sit under great teaching, even biblical teaching, and we know all the truths, and even to the point to where if we're asked, we can answer them. Right? We can say, we, this is the right way to go, and this is the thing we should do. But when that comes time to apply to our own life, we find it, we, we often will come up short. Right? We learned, but we didn't gain understanding, and we didn't apply it. We're the, we're the unjust hearer right, of the word. We know what to do, but we just don't do it. And that's part of Solomon's story. It's an unfortunate part, but it is. Of all the good things he did for God, he he he, he dropped, right? Because of because of he got he got the weak, um, and it wasn't even the fact that he had all the wives, um, because because that wasn't and, and that's a different Bible study for a different time. But that wasn't out of the norm, right? Well, his wives. Let's let him away from God. His wives served other gods, and he built altars for right. them and temples for them to worship their gods in, and found himself worshiping those other gods, and it greatly displeased God. Uh, greatly, greatly displeased God because he he began to worship those other idols. Uh, didn't, didn't he? Uh, what did he at the last of his reign? It seemed like I, I, I thought they were more. I don't think so. That I know of, Saul, that I know of, Solomon never fired an arrow uh, in his time. That I know, of. but I could be wrong. I, I may, I, I, I may not be thinking of, um, or maybe missing something. But I don't think he ever did. So let's talk real quick. I know, I, I, you know, I've spent a lot of time building up proverbs. We ain't talked about none of them yet, right? Um, so the, the the first thing I would say is when we talk about wisdom. And one of the things that you're going to find that Solomon emphasizes throughout the book of Proverbs is that true wisdom recognizes the need to fear the Lord. Right? Fearing the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Right? And, and, and let's look at some benefits there. So Proverbs 10 and 27. Now, here's what happens when we fear the Lord, right? Here's a benefit. According to, according to the Proverbs of Solomon here, here's, when we fear the Lord, something good happens. In Proverbs 10, 27, the fear of the Lord prolongs days. <coughs> but the years of the wicked will be shortened. So there's a saying in that, right? There's that little tidbit of wisdom of experience, right? Now, what he's saying to you is, if somebody fears God, they're more likely to live longer. Isn't that strange? It's a strange thought. But why would that be the case? 
let's put some common sense, some prudence around it. Somebody that fears the Lord and keeps His commandments. What, what's some of the things? Think, think, about, think about how many illnesses today are caused by um, sexual sin. Right? Um, think about how much um, stress and, and burden that we bear in our bodies and the damage it does to us when we get outside of the will of God. Right? Um, and I'm not saying that's the only time we feel stress. Certainly it's not. Um, but, but sometimes our guilt because of sin and those things plays a, plays, takes a hard toll on us. Um, there's all kinds of sicknesses Right, um, and 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 that that can that can be caused from just not fearing the Lord. Um, but somebody who does fear the Lord, they're careful about those things. Right? Um, think about the, the 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 damage. Like for instance, now we know the Lord tells us not to be drunk with wine. Think about all the lives that's been lost over alcoholism, drunk driving, all those things. Right? Um, and we can see the damage there, right? So, but but a man that fears the Lord and keeps his commandments, he doesn't have to worry about the damage of alcoholism. Because his, his God tells him not to stay drunk with wine, right? So he doesn't have to worry about that, right? That's, that's put aside from him, right? Because he fears the Lord, he's avoided that pitfall, that, that snare, that trap of the, of the enemy, right? It's, same could be said, this one's a harder one, right? This is one we don't talk about in church today because it's just not popular to, to talk about it this way. But God tells us to do all things in moderation, our food, eating. Think of how much healthier we are when we eat right, right? And how many lives have been shortened because of poor eating habits. Heart attacks, yeah. cholesterol, blood pressure, um, you know, uh, Cancer, they know, you know, sugar, uh, uh, excess sugar can cause cancer, right? So all these things are caused because we don't practice the biblical way of moderation, right? Um, and it's not to say that those things couldn't happen if you did do that. They, they, they could, but they're far less likely to happen when we control ourselves in the, in the way that God tells us to. I've heard somebody say this, that it, it, it might be funny. Basically, how can you fear somebody that you love? Yeah, it's, that's, a, that's a great question. So a lot of that comes back to what we look at as fear. I couldn't hardly wrap my head around it the, you know, the right way. I mean, you, know, you think of fear, like, you know, if I fear you, you know, I'm going to be scared of you. You're scared. Yeah. You know, and that's in the human form. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's kind of, I guess, you know, what they were going with. I think I think thinking about it from an adult perspective though. Think about it from a child's perspective. When I was a kid, I loved my mom and dad. I but you feared them. But if I did something wrong, yeah. if I knew I'd done something they told me not to do, I was scared of them and scared that they would find out. You know what I mean? But, but that didn't change how much I loved them. So so you feared that you weren't a big you weren't afraid that they were gonna hurt you. Yeah. But just, I was afraid of the, the, the disappointment and punishment that you were Not like to the point like like they would kill you. Like right. hurt you physically. But I don't think that's what it's more like the Bible means. No, I don't, I don't, no. I don't, I don't think that either, but that's what 
That's that right. feeling. That's what some people are yeah. right. feel of the fear when you say. When you hear that word fear, that's what they're afraid of. That's the first thing that they yeah. think of. Yeah. You know, fear is in, you know, scared of. Uh, Actually, Shasta and I just had a conversation about this the other day because, um, and she she brought it up. What a, what a, what a um, and it's it's really relevant here. There's such a difference now <coughs> in our culture. Um, for instance, when we talk about um, there was a song on or whatever, and we and we talked and they were talking about the ability to stand before the king, right? Well, that means nothing to us now. Right? I mean, we live in a country that our president every day gets absolutely raked over the coals. Nobody has any fear or reverence or respect, right, for, for anybody anymore. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just, very, we live in a very respectless culture, right? Where, um, but in their times, a king, you didn't get, you didn't walk in front of a king without permission. If you came into his presence, he had the ability to say, kill him. Right? Um, that's why I remember when you read the book of Esther. Esther, she, she, told, she, she told him, she said, if I go in there, he may kill me. Right? And he said, well, maybe God's put you here for such a time as this. Right? And, and, and when she came in, she, was, she feared that that was her husband. <laughs> and he was the king, and she feared him. Right? There was a, river, a certain respect that because of who he was, you didn't approach him that way. Right? And we just, our culture has lost a lot of that, right? We just don't have reverence for people that way anymore. Um, I, I, I always um, think about, Chess and I have got a friend, um, and he's a doctor, and he talks a lot about the, the difference in this country, and he's from Korea, right? And, and he says the difference in our country, right? He's from South Korea, and so he says, what's amazing here is in America, he said people lift doctors up, like they're somebody, like they're something, like like, you know, he said, but in Korea, they're not that big of a deal. He said, in South Korea, if you're a doctor, that's that's great, that's that's admirable, but they put a bigger emphasis on, he said, he said the, the pecking order in South Korea is teachers are, are highly reverenced and highly respected. Pastors and preachers are highly reverenced and highly respected. And then doctors and nurses, and it goes in a different order. And he said, it's just so different here. He said, because here, you know, people are like, oh, you're a doctor. Oh, oh, that's, you know, that's some big deal. And he said, it's really not. He said, I just went to school to learn a trade, right? I just, I went to school to learn a practice, right, to learn how to do this. And he said, think about the impact I have. He said, I see somebody when they're sick or maybe, he said, if I'm a, if I'm a regular doctor, I check on them throughout their life and make sure they're staying okay. But I don't really have a big impact on their life. Until they're desperate in desperate need, but a teacher has an impact on a child's life immensely. Yeah. Right? Uh, 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 your your pastor and preacher, he said, they they're up in front of you every week teaching you and telling you how you ought to live and do. And he said, why would why would a doctor be reverenced at a higher level than those people who touch your lives a hundred times more than a doctor ever? Right? Because it's really about we reverence the status and the money. Yeah. We look at that person and we say, "Man, look!" At, and and listen, there's nothing wrong with respect to the doctor. Um, you know, there's something amazing. There's no doubt about it. There's something amazing about when a, I remember when um, when when Cassie uh, when she when she had a lung transplant and that doctor spent 
all, not, I mean hours, 18, 19 hours in surgery, taking somebody else's lungs and putting them into her and attaching every blood vessel. Right? I mean, down to the minute little detail. That's an amazing thing. That, there's nothing wrong with respecting somebody that can do that. Right? I'm not saying that. I, I think we should respect that ability. But you know how that, you know why they have that ability? Because God gave it to them. Right? God gave it to them. Right? And and so when we talk about the fear of the Lord, those are the things we talk about. I can understand that question that man asked, and I and I get where it comes from, right? Because really it seems like love and fear are on opposite ends of the yeah. spectrum. You know, it seems like it should be. But there was a time and there was and, and I guess what I'm trying to get at is there was a, a culture like with a king where people would look up to their king and they love their king. They die for their king. Right? Even even in the New Testament, one of the one of the commands was honor the king. Right? So they looked up to the king and they admired him and they respected him, but they were afraid of him. Right? Because at any minute, if his wrath turned against you, and, and really so, so it is with God. Right? I mean, I love God and I know that God has demonstrated his love to me. But there's no doubt about it. I operate under a, a, a pretty consistent, and I think this is a part of what's the problem that's happened in the, in the Christian community today, in the Christian church today, is that We've taken all the fear out and replaced all fear with love, mm -hmm. yeah. right? And 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 so now, where we once would have, I mean, operated under, hey, look, you know, it, I love God and I don't want to sin, but I also don't want the consequences that happen when I do sin and God gets upset with me, right? Yeah. And there's a certain thing to be, there's a certain amount of, of uh, how do I say, that keeps you in line a little bit, yeah. right? There's a certain amount of discipline that keeps you in line to some degree. You don't want God to get angry at you. Right? I don't want God to set his face against me. <laughs> right? And I certainly don't want to be found to fight against him. Right? And so that, that's the kind of reverence. What I think is crazy is how people who have that opinion, they want to take the, the anger side, the punishment side, away from the Lord and him be all love. But look at what that does, has done to the, church to the church when you do that. And that same person could potentially look at a family situation and think, well, those parents should keep their kids in better line than that. They should punish them when they do something wrong. But they don't want God to be that way. They don't want God to be that way, but they can recognize it when, they're, when it's not about them and their situation. They can recognize it in that family structure that when you take discipline and punishments and things out of a home, a lot of times, the kids get un completely unruly. Yeah. yeah. Well, the Bible says, "Don't, don't spare the rod." Or just pull the child. Yeah. It's a, it's a difficult thing. Uh, fear is a, fear is such a touchy thing because even in the New Testament, it, it, you know, uh, to, and I don't know the man that Brother Bishop was talking about, but but he heard that, and it doesn't because it says perfect love cast out fear, right? But, I, but, but what I think that means, I don't think that means that we're not to fear the Lord any longer. What I think that means is that, is that I have an understanding, a knowledge to know that, that my God is going to love me. Nothing's going to separate me from the love of Christ. Nothing is. Not high death, nothing will separate us. He, he promises that. I still fear the consequence of my sin because I know what sin does. Sin works death, even in a believer. Right? Sin works death. Um, 
and 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 it works. You know, there's consequences. David was a man after God's own heart. He loved God. He loved Him. He had mountains of faith in comparison to most people. Stood up to the giant, right, and said, "said You know, uh, you, you come to me with, and I, with all these things. I come to you in the name of the Lord, right? Uh, killed the lion and the bear and did all these things with his bare hands. I mean, just you could go on and on about the, the great works David did. But when David sinned, David saw Bathsheba and he sinned. There was still, even though he loved God, there were still consequences for that sin that rippled, right? Because of that, the sword never left his house. Right? Because of that, his son died. Right? His son, his son, I mean, he, he, there was consequences. That's scary to me. You know what I mean? That's just, and, and that gives me a certain fear and reverence to God, knowing that I know that there's a, a law, an order set up that when I sin, there's a consequence to that. Right? There, that, there, it, it does something. Right? It changes the circumstance, and it's, it's, a, it's a certain fearful thing, but but that's a great discussion. But that's what we go back to where he says the fear of the Lord brings life. Prolonged days. Right? I know that there's going to be things that I need to avoid to prolong my days. Whether it's my eating habits or whether it's... And those are up to me whether or not I follow the wisdom given to me. Right? If I don't follow it, there's consequences. If I do, he, he promises prolonged days. Right? Um, and, and, and there's other things, right? Uh, look at Proverbs 22 and 4. I love the book of Proverbs. If you, if you haven't read Proverbs in a while, take some time to read through it. Uh, uh, Proverbs 22 and 4 says, By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Right? So, so it increases the, the quality of our life. Fearing God makes our life better. Right? And we, we have a hard time seeing it that way, but it goes right back to like we talked about in the beginning. Um, I'll give you a great for instance. I can remember, uh, I, I was when I was 15, I took a job bagging groceries at Newberry's. Nice. Um, and I remember, <coughs> Mom and Dad, and I can remember them telling me, if you'll take your check and put it in the bank, it won't take you a long, long time to have money saved up. Right? And you'll have some money for a car or for college or for whatever. Well, do you know how many checks I saved? <laughs> Goosey. Right? I spent that money as quick as I could get it in my hand. Right? Gas and seeds and everything else I could get on. Right? Uh, and, and, and just, just I mean, just burn it up. Right? But I wish I would have listened. Right? Now I wish I would have I would have heeded the wisdom. They knew. You know why they knew? They wasted their Right? They made some mistakes along the way. Right? When they were young and, and, and dumb like me, they wasted some of theirs. And they knew, Bill, you could get a better start. You do that? And, and, and we'll try to teach that to our kids, and, you, and, and it's very likely they'll waste theirs. But we'll try. You know what I mean? We'll try to get that in there. And, 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 but, but it increases the quality of your life when we, when we follow the ways of God. Um, gives us refuge and all these other things that we, could, that we could talk about that make life better, right? Not just riches, but 
in, in the sense of the richness of, of, of the peace of God and the joy that comes with having a right relationship with God. Right? There's a joy that comes when, when, when things are good between you and God you, and it feels good to you. There's a joy in that. Right? And there's also a, a, um, a misery when things aren't right. Right? That's hard to explain to people. It sure is. Yeah. It's really hard to explain. But there is a certain miserable feeling when things aren't right between you and God and you know it. Right? And, and you, you want so bad for God to accept what you're doing, but He just doesn't. Right? And you just, and you just ain't going to change. And no matter how hard you hold out, it just doesn't flip on the situation. Right? It just doesn't. He, he never changes. That's the good thing about God. I don't have to wake up tomorrow and wonder, does He still feel like that's wrong? Does he, does he want me to do this now or not? He, he still wants the same thing you want to do. He's never changed. And you do not want to do it. And you don't want to so bad. But you but there's just that eating away. And you're like, now I'm going to have to do that. Or I'm never going to get in peace. And it don't go away. It does not go away, right? Uh, and, and, and listen, that, that value of fearing the Lord... It goes right on all throughout the New Testament. Jesus said, right, in, in, in Matthew 10 and 28, do you remember what Jesus said there? About fearing the Lord? Let me turn to it real quick. I'm going to read it to you. Matthew? Matthew 10 and 28. In Matthew 10 and 28, he says, And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who's able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Right? So Jesus tells us to fear the Lord, to fear God. Right? He tells us that there's some wisdom in there. And, and, and in Acts, Luke tells us the same thing. Right? And then in Philippians, Paul says the same thing. Right? You could go on and on and talk about how many times even in the New Testament he tells us to fear the Lord. Fear God. Fear God. Solomon at the end of Ecclesiastes said that's the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. Keep His commandments. Right? Do what the man says to do. Right? Um, so so we, we, can, we can learn. Now listen, and we also wisdom, you know, not only recognizes that there's a fear of God, and this is something that churches don't talk a lot about either, but there are certain things that God sees as abominations. Right? Now what is an abomination? Who knows what that word is? Bad. It's bad. <laughs> That's a fantastic definition. Right? Um, and it, I mean, it really is. It's, it, it, the dictionary defines it as something that is worthy of hatred, that's detestable. Right? And God says there are things that, that, that is worthy of hatred in His eyes. There are, there are things that God despises terribly. Terrible. Vile. Vile. Wicked. Yeah. I mean, sin, all sin is bad. All sin is bad. I'm not saying some sins are worse than others. But in God's eyes, He says some are complete abominations. Right? Things that He, I mean, just sickens. Right? What are some of those things? Does anybody know some of the things that the Bible says are abominations? Those are important for us to know. He does say that in one place. Mm -hmm. Homosexuality is what she said. What else? Anything else? Now, here's my pastor moment. 
Proverbs 6, 16. Yeah, that's right. 6, 16 through 19 tells you, tells you 6 or 7 of them, right? Um, 7, I think, were listed there. But... <laughs> uh, here's the thing, guys. Believers, we need to know these things. Amen? We need to know the things God hates because we don't want to do them. Right? So we, let's put these in the memory. Remember, in Proverbs 6, 6 through 19... Ready? Mm-hmm. Uh, wait a minute. I said six. So let me see. Sixteen. Sixteen to nineteen. These six things the Lord hates. Yea, seven are an abomination to him. Right? A proud look. Pride. God hates pride. It's an abomination to him. A lying tongue. You see that one there? A lying tongue. Now, now, let me ask you which one you've heard more about in the past 10 years. Lying or homosexuality? Homosexuality is what you've heard more about. Right? Think about that. Think about the emphasis the church has put on one and neglected the other. Right? All of them are an abomination to God. Right? A a, a lying tongue. The next one. Hands that shed innocent blood. Can you think of a a situation we're facing right now? Abortion. Right? That's an abomination to God. No matter how you spin it or how you feel about it, it's an abomination to God. Right? Uh, An abomination. Killing the innocent, right? Uh, um, it's just it's just a terrible, terrible thing, a terrible thing, and it and it and God hates it, He loathes it. A heart that devises wicked plans. You see that one there? Uh, hands that shed blood. A heart that devises wicked plans. Sometimes, if we're not careful, we find ourselves doing that, devising wicked plans against somebody or. In a situation, we're angry at someone, and we we start we start planning and plotting how we're going to get revenge, how we're going to get back, how we wish this would happen, how we wish that would happen. Right? We got to be so careful about that. Right? Very dangerous. Right? It's an abomination unto God. Feet that are swift in running to evil. Right? Um, in other words, people that love to get involved in wickedness. Right? They're swift to get involved. They, you ever know somebody that love something bad's going on, and they they just got to be a part of it. They got to get in. They can't step back away from it and say, "I don't want part of that." <laughs> right? Instead, they they you know ambulance chasers. You know what I mean? They find something wrong and and, and get into it. Right? They want to see. You know, they want to be involved in something, and 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 that's a dangerous place to be. A false witness that speaks lies. Right? A false witness that speaks lies. Another thing that's an abomination to God. One who sows discord among the brethren. Who causes brothers and sisters to fight with each other. That, that is it's an abomination. Yeah, it's an abomination. Unto God. God hates it. Right? Um, and there are other things if we went on and... and, and and, and read, for instance, um, uh, 
People who cheat other people. Call, they call in the scriptures called false weights. Right? In other words, they, you know, when they weigh something, they would doctor the scale so it gets, so it looked like it weighed more, they had to pay more, or it looked like it weighed less, and they paid them less for it. So they call that false weights or cheating one another. If you went over into where I'm going to go to Proverbs 11 and 1, you'd see those, that's an abomination unto God. Uh, a king that commits wickedness is an abomination to God. Um, the sacrifice or the worship of the wicked is an abomination unto God. You can find that one in Proverbs 15 and 8, right? Where he talks about those that, that worship that are of a wicked heart. Right? And here's another, look, let's look at this one together. Proverbs 28 and 9. This is one you might not ever think about being uh, 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 an abomination. Proverbs 28 and 9 says, One who turns away his ear from hearing the law, he doesn't want to hear the word of God. God said, even his prayers are an abomination to me. Right? They don't want to hear my word. They don't want to hear my truth. But, th but then they want to pray to me. It's an abomination to God. It's sickening. It's disgusting. Right? You don't want to listen. You don't want to hear. But you want to ask me. Now we don't think about that a lot when we think about God and things. But that's right there. I mean, you can see it. I mean, he, he wrote it right here for us. Right? Um, so, so we never want to close our ears off to the truth of the law of God. Because then our prayers become an abomination unto it. Right? We, want, we want to crave desire, the sincere milk, the sincere milk of the Word of God. So we can understand, right, there are, there are some things that God says are an abomination. And then we also understand that our relationship with others impacts our relationship with God. Right? I mean, we can find that in, 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 the, in the Proverbs here. Uh, Proverbs 21.3. I, I know I'm jumping around a lot. I'm sorry. Proverbs 21.3. Uh, to do righteous and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. In other words, to treat people in a right way and to be just in our dealings with people is better. That is better, is more acceptable than sacrifice to God. Just, just to treat each other well. Right? Uh, that, that, that speaks a lot. Right? The way we treat the poor and the needy. I can just give you a few examples uh, here. And I'll try not to, to carry on too, too long with these. But in Proverbs 14, let me read you this one. Proverbs 14 and 31. He who oppresses the poor, the poor reproaches his maker. But he who honors him has mercy on the needy. He that oppresses the poor, right? He reproaches, he brings reproach upon his maker. But if you want to bring honor to your maker, you show mercy to the needy. Right? The way we treat the poor, uh, it makes a big difference, right? Um, another one is Proverbs 17 and 5. In Proverbs 17 and 5, he said, He who mocks the poor reproaches his maker. He who is glad at calamity will not go unpunished. Right? So when you mock somebody who's less fortunate than you, you make fun of them. Right, that's what it's talking about. Make fun of somebody's situation. Uh, you stand in danger. Um, and those that, and then there are those that rob the poor. Um, that's a special kind of thing, I think. But Proverbs 22, 22, and 23 says, Do not rob the poor because he is poor, 
nor oppress the afflicted at the gate, for the Lord will plead their cause and plunder the soul of those who plunder them. You hear that? That sounds pretty rough, don't it? God will plunder the soul of those who plunder the poor, who rob the poor. You know, you know who's really guilty of that? False. All these false teachers that, that get people to send them their money all the time. And they, they rob, they get on TV and they tell, they tell these, these, these people who don't have the knowledge and the understanding, just send me your money and, and you'll get more of it. Right? And they're robbing the poor. They're taking from them. They're taking advantage of people's bad circumstances. And God said one day He'll plunder their soul the way they plundered them. Hey, the insurance company is a is a robber of the poor, right? Uh, 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 sometimes, you know, uh, uh, you, we can think of lots of businesses can be robbers of the poor, right? I mean, it can happen, right? I mean, it's just reality. There's cor- corporate greed nowadays. It's it's, it's insane. It's never enough. There's there's net. You know what makes businesses operate more? I'm, the, the the thirst for more money. More drug money. drug companies is, is one of the worst. Yeah, more money, more money, more money, more they, money, more they, money. They know you've got to have that, that, that drug, so they can just price it whatever they want it to. Yeah, there's a lots of situations where people take advantage of the poor. Yeah. Right? Um, uh, uh, think, about, think about how, I mean, it's awful to think about, I mean, it really is, but think about how people will come in and take advantage. Think about years ago how people took advantage. They went to Africa and these other continents where the poor was, and they had plenty of money, and they and they took advantage of them, made them slaves. <coughs> Slavery is oppression like that. Right? Know, there's no taking advantage of them. Africa, for example, uh, I watched a documentary on uh, TV there about uh, Verona National Park there, where the oil company from Britain is, is trying to get the oil out of that park, and they're slaughtering people. Yeah, uh, you know, whoever gets in the way. Yeah, it's, it's it's terribly sad. I mean, it's terribly sad some of the things, um, but but you know, uh, it happens all the time. Think about all these 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 little girls who right. are who are being sold into sex slavery, right? Uh, taking advantage of, of their families, right? It's a literal truth. It's not always this way, but there are many, many, many parents who've sold their children into sex slavery yeah. to feed some of their other children. Now that's sad. That's sad. Happens all the time. Happens all the time. God will plunder some souls one day. Uh, God's going to come back and, and, and he, he said, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. In time, God will repay. Right? Right now we look at it and say, how is it that the wicked prosper? There's coming a time when God will repay you. Um, they don't get away with that forever. Uh, it just doesn't happen that way. Um, uh, how we treat the widow and the fatherless. Another uh, thing that God has a particular passion and concern about. Right In Proverbs 15 verse 25, He said that the Lord will destroy the house of the proud, but He will establish the boundary of a widow. He'll take care of the widow. Um, you know, he, 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 he knows how to do that, right? And and he goes on to talk about the fatherless, right? In Proverbs 23, he talks about them. 
Proverbs 23, 10 and 11. He says, Do not remove the ancient landmark nor enter the fields of the fatherless. For their Redeemer is mighty. He will plead their cause against you. Right? Those who, those who are orphaned, God says, you're to treat them kindly. And you're not to take from them. And you're not to take advantage of them. Right? He has a particular concern for those people. The orphan and the widow. Um, so, so, I mean, those things matter, right? And we could we'd go on um, at, we can talk about our, our relationship with our enemies. God is concerned how we treat our enemies. Um, listen to Proverbs 24, 17 and 18 right here. He says, Do not rejoice when your enemy falls. And do not let your heart be glad when your enemy stumbles. Lest the Lord sees it and is displeased with you. And he turn away his wrath from your enemy. Where does he turn it towards? Right? So, so he's saying, when your enemy stumbles and falls, don't rejoice. Don't say, how many times has something happened to somebody who say, what serves them right? <coughs> serves them right? Yeah, they had it coming. Yeah, they had it coming. <laughs> get what they get. They deserve it. Right? God says, don't let that happen in your heart. Don't let your heart get to where you want to see them fall or stumble. Because it's, it, it's setting up something new. God will begin to bless that person and turn against you, right? And you don't want that, right? You don't want you don't want that to happen. So those 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 are kinds of things. And, and, and he talks more a little bit more about that in Proverbs twenty five, in verse twenty one and twenty two. There, listen what he says: If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he's thirsty, give him water to drink. For so you will heap coals of fire on his head, and the Lord will reward you. When you treat your enemy with kindness, God rewards you for it. Can you think of somebody in the Bible that treated their enemy with kindness? David and Saul. Saul hated him. He's trying to kill him. But David treated him with kindness. He never once. David could have killed him multiple times. Multiple times. And never did. Never did. Um, was very kind to him. So those are just some tidbits of wisdom in our relationship with God and with other people that we learn from the Proverbs. And there's a lot more, right? The Proverbs go on to tell you things about how we treat each other, how we ought to treat each other, how we ought to treat our spouses, right? What 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 Proverbs tell you what a good husband looks like, tells you what a good wife looks like. Proverbs tell you what a good parent does, right? Proverbs give you instructions for living day to day in your Christian life. I just wanted to kind of get you turned on to the thought of, I need to read the Proverbs a little bit. Right? There's some things in there that's good for me and my family. Right? There's things that's good in there for me and my, and making sure that the Lord you know, um, uh, uh, is pleased with my daily walk. It's good instruction in righteousness. All Scripture is good for instruction in righteousness. Uh, when we read the Word of God, we can learn so much about what God expects of us and how we can live and, and live good lives, peaceful lives. Happy, I mean, lives of joy and peace. Not always like, not easy lives, but good lives. Um, part of the reason I'm convinced that I, and I wish I knew the solution. I, I mean, I think I even do know the solution, but I wish I had the uh, ability to live it. I'm convinced that we make our lives miserable by all these things we try to chase after. Right? We, we make our lives miserable by wanting all the little gadgets that the world tries to offer us and, all, 
And, and I'm not just talking about electronic gadgets. I'm just talking about all the little trinkets the world says is important to us. And we buy into it. We buy into it. And we all do. I mean, I do. Maybe you don't. I do. So often, you know, um, you go you go into Walmart and you go in for one thing and you come out and say it. Because you see things and you think, man, if I had that, this, I'd have that. You turn on the TV and you're inundated with, you need this, you need this, you need this, you need this. And before long, you start thinking, I need that. I want that thing, whatever that thing is. Right? Uh, we're inundated with that culture right? of more, 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 more. But we need to remember the wisdom of Solomon when he said, it's all meaningless. It's all meaningless. Instead, hear the full counsel. Hear the, hear the end of the conclusion. Fear God and do the things God says to do. You've got a better life. The reason we're miserable is because sometimes we're missing out on some of the blessings that God has promised us when we do the things God says we ought to do and when we avoid the things God says we ought to avoid. Does that make any sense? How it does. Questions, comments, thoughts, concerns? I know that some sin sounds to us worse than others. Right. I think God classifies, for whatever reason, um, God classifies certain things as an abomination. All sin is 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 horrid in the eyes of God. Yeah. All sin is. You'll be lost if you don't repent. That's right. That's right. But there are sins that He seems to that He seems to feel more intensely about than others. Now, I'm not teaching there's a difference in the sins. Um, I'm trying to balance that the best that I can. What I mean by that is all sin has the same consequence. All sin works death. Therefore, all sin is, is, is equal. Right? But there are sins. And even in the New Testament, Paul says there are some sins that are sins against the body. Right? And he classifies those things a little differently. Right? Um, in the New Testament, a particular sin that God seems to be very concerned about is sexual sins. Right? And he, and he, and he drives those home a lot because he says... You don't just sin against him, you sin against your body in that way. Now we know in the New Testament what's important about our body. It's the temple of the Holy Ghost. Right? Um, and so there's some there's some degree there that we have to consider, right? Um, but I don't want I don't want you to think that I'm saying that, well, murderers are worse than liars. No, they're not. They're all sinners. All of sin that comes short of the glory of God in one way or another. But there are sins like the shedding of innocent blood that God says it is an abomination. He hates it with a with a severe. I mean, he hates all sin, but he hates it with a severe <coughs> hatred. He classifies it that. Way. So it's it's a hard question to answer, sis. But I, I, I do believe that there are certain things that God absolutely makes says is <coughs> detestable. Right, even for us as sinners, they're detestable things. What else? Yeah, I enjoy it. I love the Proverbs. Get in there and read them. I was, I was, uh, I was um, reading them the other day, and I just thought it'd be good for us to just talk about them a little bit, right? And just to go over them. Uh, I, I was, I was actually listening to them on the way to work one day this week. I, I turned it on and, and was just listening to them in the car, and was listening to them, and um, I got to the red light. I was listening and I was like, man, that makes a lot of sense. And I looked up and I was sitting there and, and it's like this cloud was all around me. And I was like, wow, this, you know, 
God's showing up, but it turns out my water cup busted. It was steam from here. <laughs> so I pulled over and had to replace the water cup. It's still good. It's still good. It's still good. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's Listen to that, you're just jamming, going to work at pitch black dark. And there's a big stick fell out of a tree and hit the cab on my truck. Boy, God's on the move, you've scared of it. Yeah, sometimes things happen. Hey, God's good at, even when we have struggles, ain't he? Yes. Uh, he's good no matter where we are, and I, I, uh, his, uh, his wisdom is everlasting. One day, the good thing about being a Christian is one day all the world will vanish away. Amen. All the sin and all the heartaches and disappointments and frustrations and dangers and, and anger and all the things we feel and frustrations we go through, all that fades off and goes away. And we have we have a promise of a, of a place that's sin-free. But we don't have to struggle with these things that we struggle with now, right? And that's the hope of a Christian. That's why we keep pressing on. I press towards the prize right, of the high calling. I don't want to hit the mark. So, all right. Anything else? Let's dismiss in prayer. Father, we love you. We thank you. We praise you, God, for your goodness, Lord. We pray, God, that uh, just a little bit we studied tonight might stick with us, but God, that might put a fire in us to go home and and read a little bit in Proverbs and learn a little more wisdom, God, that we might apply it to our hearts and to our lives, God, and that it might do something in us, God, that it might that it might manifest and bear fruit, God, and bring. Uh, that good, peaceable fruit that comes from you, God. We thank you, Lord, for your love and your mercy and how patient you are with us. And uh, God, at times, God, we can be so silly and so worldly, God, that your love has never failed us, God. But Lord, we do pray, God, uh, that we would we would see a revival in churches and in the hearts of all believers, God, to reverence and fear you the way that you deserve to be feared and reverenced, God. We know, God, that so many people today, Lord, are, are against uh, your ways and your truth, God. We need the church to rise up and be strong in you. So help us, God, to find that revival and to, to walk in it, God, no matter what the cost. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.